Well, what a weekend for Bruin football. Yeah, welcome back to Locked On Bruins. Brian Fenley with you. You can find me on social media. My Twitter is Brian Fenley. The show's Twitter is Locked On Bruins. And if you want to opine about Bruin athletics, namely football, do so via email at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. So were you at the game on Saturday? Did you watch the game? last Saturday did you hear what happened at least at the game last Saturday yes San Diego State for the first time in 23 meetings against UCLA won against the Bruins 23-14 the final what I will say and we'll get a little bit more in detail into this later on in this segment but I'm going to go down three different aspects that I think were pivotal for why the Bruins lost. The turnovers, the secondary play, and the offensive line. So we'll get into that, but we'll also look ahead. Oklahoma coming to town, the number four team in the land. And joining us to talk about the Sooners is Daryl Reininger and his co-host Troy Fight. They are co-hosts on the Just OK Sports podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Just OK Sports. And they will run down and get us all briefed on the Sooners who have just been playing out of their minds right now. What they did to South Dakota last weekend, 70-14. to 14. My goodness, an absolute bloodbath. So they will join us for the second segment. And for the first segment, we will center our attention on the storylines that manifested from the loss to San Diego State. And look... You got to hand it to Aztecs quarterback Ryan Agnew. Here was a guy who pretty much stunk it up in week one against Weber State. Had about a 108 yards passing in that game. Couldn't complete a pass longer than 11 yards. And then he comes to the Rose Bowl and plays the game of his life. Close to 300 yards through the air. And had explosive plays. Able to convert well on third downs through the air. And... As good as he performed, UCLA defensive back Quentin Lake rebukes the notion that it was Ryan Agnew playing well. He thought it was more that the secondary didn't play very well themselves, and he credited that as the reason why Agnew performed so well. And Lake went on to say, look, the success was all due to poor defensive alignment. He says it's more on us. And I, I think that, in his words, Agnew did not throw a great deep ball. And nobody really saw him as, as a big threat with a deep ball. But continued to harp on the back end not playing very well. He pointed out that while they were playing a lot of zone, there were lots of open areas in that cover three. And guys getting open in the flat and getting a lot of quick gain routes and just being able to move the chains. We did see the turnovers infiltrate themselves into this game again. Two costly turnovers for the Bruins led to 10 San Diego State points. Two turnovers for the Bruins, zero for the Aztecs, four turnovers against Cincinnati in week one, so that is six turnovers in your first two games. That's something that certainly needs to be cleaned up. And one thing to mention here is that, like we saw against Cincinnati, 
San Diego State completely controlled the clock. They had the football for 38 or so minutes in the game. And while their running game wasn't where they wanted it, they were able to take advantage of some vulnerabilities in the passing game. And while the Bruins were able to get Joshua Kelly back, he managed only about 50 yards, had a couple decent runs, but Michael Alves is still unavailable because of a health issue. And just Dorian Thompson-Robinson, while he played it like a little bit better than against Cincinnati, the pocket is collapsing too quickly and the holes are not opening up for the running game. And so offensive line not playing up to speed. The secondary playing soft in coverage and allowing the San Diego State pass catchers and even tight ends to pick up critical catches on third downs and pick up first downs because of that. And then finally, it's the turnovers. Two turnovers that haunted the Bruins once again. While we're talking about college football, and now that the NFL season is going on, there's always that debate of like, where do you get your tickets? You want to watch your team play? There are all sorts of options. But I highly suggest you check out Vivid Seats. It's an app. You can find it on the App Store. You already have apps on your phone, so why not just get another one? It's found on the App Store or Google Play, and fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program and will enjoy credits on all their purchases as part of Vivid Seats Rewards. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee. Here's what you get. Great seats with the ability to take advantage of some rewards in the process. In fact, you're getting great prices, easy purchasing experience, and that in-app loyalty program brought on by the Vivid Seats Rewards. Again, all you got to do is go to the App Store, download Vivid Seats app, and if you enter the promo code KICKOFF100, that's KICKOFF100, all one word, at checkout, you will receive a discount of up to $100. All right, welcome back to Locked On Bruins. Brian Fenley with you, and excited to have Dale Reininger and his co-host Troy Fight on with us. They are devoted Oklahoma people. They've got some great insight into involving their football team and their hosts of the just okay sports podcast and you can find that on twitter at just okay sports guys thank you so much for joining us as we get ready for that sooners bruins game on saturday no thanks for having us man absolutely man man. appreciate it so i want to get into your defense first of all alex grinch coming over first year head or first year defensive coordinator for the Sooners, what kind of effects do you think he's giving your team? Because he's got Pac-12 connections, and mm-hmm. he's done some things defensively against the Bruins in the past while he was at Washington State. Yeah, for sure. I would say there's been two main areas, um, Brian, that he's been huge here. And I think number one has just been an accountability system. Um, we've heard that from players from the day he got here, that the accountability level is just at another level um, with him as far as There's just no excuses. There are certain responsibilities the defense has, and that's your job. And if you don't accomplish that, then the question needs to be asked why, whether that's 
a coaching mistake, a player mistake, but there's a reason why we can't accomplish those things. Whereas I would say the regime before Alex Grinch would under Mike Stoops, it kind of turned into more of a just kind of hope something happens. And matter of fact, you've heard Grinch say that we're, we're not here to hope or wish that things happen. We're here to make things happen. Um, and so I'd say that that's area number one. So that's been a whole mentality change. And so, and then with that has come the aggression. Um, he has turned the defensive line loose um, to let them actually go get pressure. Whereas last year they were in a uh, one gap system. So in other words, the D linemen were really just trying to catch as many offensive linemen as they could and then react to where the ball went. Now they're being asked one gap, find a gap, shoot the gap, create chaos and just wreak havoc um, on the offense. So I, for me, I would say those are the two main areas. I don't know what Troy would say to that. So, though. so with the mentality, I'm just going to add on to that from what Daryl was saying is last year they would start out a game and they might have a couple of plays that were really, um, really good. You know, go get them in the backfield, whatever negative plays. But then, then they would give up a 25-yard pass, and you would see their shoulders drop immediately, and that would stick for the entire rest of the game, every single game. It was like that. And they would have their flashes of, of brilliance, um, but that's not what you're seeing. If they give up a pass now for the first two games, they're still, they're still like, okay, we need to go downhill. Like for me, they've been playing on their heels for the last three or four years as a mm-hmm. defense. Now they're, they're, they're being aggressive. Like Daryl was saying, and going forward and being the aggressors and they're making the offense adjust to them instead of adjusting to the offense. And so that's, that's been a mentality shift. Uh, absolutely. That Alex has brought on so far. And I, sorry. And to add one other thing, even into that. And I think, Troy and I actually were just talking about this today. He's also brought, you know, he's got this analytic thing that he looked back over however many years, what was the the, the common denominator of all 10 win teams that he could find. And literally the only thing that was consistent with every single team that won 10 games was that, that they all had 24 turnovers in a season. And so he has made that a mantra of every defense he has is that if we create 24 turnovers, we're a 10 win team. And so he has built that. And so a matter of fact, they didn't get any turnovers against Houston. Um, They did create a fumble. They didn't recover it. And guys in the post game talked about that at length of how frustrated they were. Even Grinch, he was asked, he goes, how disappointed were you that your defense didn't get a turnover? And he looked at the reporter and said, it ripped my heart out. That's how I feel. He's like, how do you think an offensive coordinator feels when they don't score a touchdown? Like that's their job. Our job is to get the ball. And we didn't, so it didn't work. And so for them to create three turnovers this last week, the sideline went crazy. The stadium went crazy. Um, They are all in about trying to rip the ball, intercept the ball. They want to wreak havoc in that way in the turnover department. We're joined by Daryl Reininger and Troy Fight of Just OK Sports Podcast. You can find that on Just OK Sport. That is their Twitter handle. Guys, as dominant as Oklahoma has looked, what they – did to South Dakota last weekend is probably illegal in 13 states just by the final score there. <laughs> what still remains the most vulnerable part of the Sooners team as they take on the Bruins? Where are they not where they want to be? So so I've got three right off the bat. First for me is, is the left side of their O-line. It's getting hit with penalty after penalty. They're letting guys in. Um, they're not consistent. Um, two is still the defense. Um, and, and we just don't know, like Daryl's a little higher on the defense than I am. 
I, I said, I'm not going to be a believer in it until I see it the entire season, um, uh, you know, continually make strides. And three is right now, honestly, as, as great as Jalen has been, it's been his progressions at times. Sometimes he's too skittish in the pocket. Whenever something breaks down, his first read doesn't go. Sometimes he's out of there really quick. So he needs to go through the progressions that Riley has set up for him. And I think those are the three most vulnerable spots for me. I don't know about Daryl, but for me, that's it right now. Yeah, I'd echo that. So um, for Bruins fans that may not realize, uh, OU lost four of their starting offensive linemen all to the draft last year. So all all four, they're both tackles, both guards, um, were all drafted in the first four rounds last year. So they're replacing all four of those guys, and they were, you know, they won the award for the best offensive line in the country. So that line is still learning to gel. They're still kind of finding their stride, and definitely the left side seems to be the weaker side of that offensive line. So that's definitely a weak point offensively defensively, I would still say the secondary. I would say the front six, front seven have still played really, really well these first couple games. Um, but look, let's be honest. Last year, this this secondary, which is more or less the same secondary last year, was ranked 129th in the country in pass defense. I mean, they they were not good. So as much as they've been coached up and as much as they've changed some things, I still have seen a few little flaws in there. I would say that, but I would say my three is different. And the third for us right now is special teams. Um, our kicking game this year, again, same thing. We lost our kickers to uh, the NFL draft. We actually had the same guy doing punts and field goals for us last year, doing both duties. He's gone. He's with the Cleveland Browns now. And so now you got these new guys, and it has not gone well. Gone well. We have missed both field goal attempts. Um, our kickoffs are not going through the end zone like they were. Literally, Austin Seibert last year kicked every single ball he kicked out for a touchback. That's not happening this year, which gives you, you know, a chance for a return. Uh, field goals not beginning. Then our punter, I still think, is averaging like 36 yards a punt, which is not good. And so if OU gets held and has to punt, that's not good. And if they get held to, to kicking a field goal, that's not good. And so I think that those are kind of the three areas right now that this team's going to have to take major strides in to be a great team this season. It seems like Jalen Hurts has taken major strides meshing with this Sooners system. You know, he's had some gaudy numbers so far. And, and guys, I've been listening to some of his postgame interviews, especially after the Houston game. And he played well. And he continued to like downplay how well he performed out there. It was almost like I got the feeling that he felt like deep down he lost the game, but he ended up winning and he had decent numbers. <laughs> like, what do you make of this, uh, of how he's transformed into the two, the Sooner system and just his, I don't know what you call it, a perfectionist mindset mm -hmm. or just never being satisfied or okay with how well he's playing? Right. Well, I'd say the mindset, uh, you know, he basically got a double dose of the Nick Saban life. And what I mean by that sure. is his father was his high school coach. So he's a coach's kid. And so he understands that mentality of never being satisfied, never being okay. Everything has to be perfect. Playing for Nick Saban will definitely do that to you if you have to deal with him. I mean, if you answer a question wrong in a media session, you're going to run bleachers for days. So he's <laughs> used to that. But the other reality is, and Troy and I were – we're actually there at the stadium for the first game. His frustration with that game was real. Um, we watched that game. He was quick um, to run the ball rather than waiting for plays to develop. Um, Troy mentioned a little earlier, not going through his progressions very much. So there have been some really big explosive plays 
left on the field because Jalen still is just not totally comfortable in the system, it feels like. I mean, I think also some of that, and Riley has mentioned this in his um, discussions on Jalen, he said, one of the things that we have tried to do with Jalen here that I think that didn't happen with him at Alabama was for him to be turned loose. And in other words, we've heard this, right? Like Nick Saban's that guy, you throw two interceptions, you go sit down, the next guy is up. Riley doesn't want you to throw two interceptions, but he wants to look at his guys and say, look, we have the best wide receivers in the country. At least they believe they do throw the ball and let them go make a play. Now don't do anything dumb, but take a chance. If you see a guy with one-on-one, let let them have an opportunity. And Saban's the opposite of that. And so I think some of this is coaching that out of him a little bit. So I, I know that Troy and I did leave that game going, it's weird that we're in the car and he just amassed like 700 yards of offense. Yeah. And yet there was a lot left in that game to be had by Jalen Hurts. So I think there's some reality to it and a little bit of, of coach speak. I don't know how Troy feels. Uh, on that, I honestly don't have much to, much to say because that's exactly how I felt is, is he just has that mentality. And I love the fact that he wants to get better at his craft. I love the fact that he is leading his team that way. So you can see the leadership out of him. Um, I, I worry sometimes, is it too much? You know, like, is it, is it going to go? Is it going to turn some of his teammates off in the locker room? And be like, dude, I just got three sacks and you're ripping me a new one. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I don't know. You know, we'll see. But I know they're they're ripping each other about the penalties in the locker room and beating ball. The offensive line coach is just beside himself with all these holding penalties the O line's gotten, and that's something that you know, you know, Hertz has mentioned and and Riley and everybody has. My final question for Daryl Reiniger and Troy Fights all. Great to have them with us with the Just OK Sports podcast. You can find that on Twitter at Just OK Sports. Do both of you guys feel that Jalen Hurts is going to win the Heisman? (laughs) No, I have to say right now, he will not win the Heisman. He won't get drafted number one. He won't. He might get drafted fifth, sixth or seventh round. Um, Maybe. Uh, But no, he will not. He will not win the Heisman. I will say this. If he keeps putting up these stupid video game like numbers, there's a real shot, but he won't continue doing that because we're about to hit some like UCLA is going to have a defense. They've got a defense. And so we haven't seen a defense. Houston has no defense. You know, we just played, you know, school for the blind for no defense. Like, so. Yeah, I I think I'd say the same thing as Troy with that one. Um, Houston was, I think, only ranked, was basically in the same ball. Actually, overall total defense was a worse defense than we were last year. And that's saying a lot. So those video game numbers make sense. You're playing an FCS school because, you know, you had a D1 opponent back out of their commitment to play you. So you sign that team up. He should have had the numbers he had against them um, in a half. This will be the first week that we're going to see um Jalen actually faced real athletes on the field and granted he did that at Alabama so we're not trying to say we don't know totally but I these same numbers you're not going to see um I would agree with Troy I don't think you're going to see him win the Heisman uh per se and especially as this team starts playing more capable defenses like UCLA if this offensive line doesn't continue to grow those numbers are really going to come down a lot Um, and they may still win a lot of football games I think they still have a lot of potential in front of them uh, but I don't think he'll be able to put up the numbers he needs to to be able to to catch that attention as the season moves on. Speaking of numbers, what game prediction score-wise do you have for this Sooners-Bruins game? Um, so this is I, I haven't done one yet, so so this is off the cuff, but I'm going to say 
uh, I'm going to say 31, uh, 31, 17. Okay. Oh, you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I would probably go just a little bit above that. I'm going to say 38, 21. So not a big difference, but I, I do think that UCLA will be able to score some points still against this defense. that's trying to find its way. Um, and those kinds of things, but Lincoln Riley is a master of creating offense against whatever it is that you want to do against him. Um, I do think that CeeDee Lamb is going to be a problem for any team. Um, if Riley so chooses to create the system around CeeDee Lamb, he is going to catch the ball and he is going to get open. Um, and they have three really good backs. And so, I mean, they're going to score points. Um, but I do think it'll take them a little bit of time to get going against a more athletic front. Um, at UCLA, but I think eventually they pull pull away. So I'd say, yeah, 38-21 would be my prediction. Many thanks again to Daryl Reininger and his co-host Troy Fight, hosts of the Just OK Sports podcast, for bringing us up to speed on Sooner football. Give them a follow at Just OK Sports on Twitter. Meanwhile, coming up in our final segment, we will review what Chip Kelly had to say in the post-game comments after the loss to San Diego State. But first, make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Appreciate you hanging out and sticking with us here through the final segment of Locked on Bruins. Brian Fenley with you. You can catch me on Twitter at Brian Fenley, and if you want to just vent about UCLA sports or football, send me an email at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. You know it's a tough time, 0-2 for the football season right now. Better times are on the horizon. But you know what they say, if you're going through a tough time, you don't want to bottle it up, right? Talking helps. So think of us as like a talk therapy session for UCLA football here as we try to get this program turned back into the right direction. And as we wrap up the show, I want to quickly highlight a couple comments Chip Kelly made after the loss against San Diego State. And his assessment of the 0-2 start, he said, quote, you are always what your record says you are. So we're 0-2. We are not doing a good enough job right now. He continued to say after that that we've got to correct mistakes. We've got to get in the film room. We've got to correct mistakes. And then I continue, in his words, I continue to have faith in this program and what we want to accomplish. And finally, he critiqued quarterback Dorian Robinson's play against the Aztecs, and he said he thought Dorian played fairly well, didn't like that he didn't have a lot of protection around him, and pointed out that there were some deep shots that Dorian took that he appreciated and that there were some where he probably should not have thrown. But again, he stressed the need to be better in pass protection. And that goes back to one of the three main focal points I brought up at the beginning of the show was the offensive line. And, you know, it's cliche to say it, but games are won up front. And right now, UCLA's offensive line is not where it needs to be. And you couple that with the turnover issues they've had. That doesn't help up to six turnovers through the first two games. And the secondary play was underwhelming. And so Quentin Lake, who is one of the leaders 
for the Bruins in the secondary, said he is going to take responsibility for their inefficiencies against San Diego State and continue to push this team and that unit in the right direction because, my goodness, it doesn't get any easier. You've got Oklahoma on Saturday, a nationally televised game at 5 p.m. Pacific on Fox TV. And then you start Pac-12 play with two games on the road. You go to Pullman, take on a nationally ranked Washington State team, and then to Tucson, and you face off against Arizona. So we don't want 0-5 to happen again, so we've got to find a way to get a win coming up here in these next three games. Appreciate you again sticking with us and hanging out with us on the podcast. This is going to do it for this episode. More guests from Oklahoma we will have on the show, including one of my co-workers at Fox Sports Radio, who is the Oklahoma football sideline reporter. He will join us later on this week to get his thoughts on the Sooners and how they've been playing. But for now, signing off for Locked on Bruins, I'm Brian Fenley.